Hello, and welcome to Dice Don't Die, a Pathfinder 2nd Edition podcast. Hey, this is David, player of Nigel, the most talented wizard you ever met. This discussion was originally recorded as a part of a different podcast, of which Beth, Chad, and I were members. Since we have created our own podcast, we wanted to bring all of the class-specific episodes together under a single podcast name. Whether you have heard this before, or this is new to you, thank you for listening. Hey, welcome back to Redacted. Uh, This is Chad, and I have with me tonight Beth. Say hello, Beth. And joining us tonight is David T. David? Hi. (laughs) And tonight we are going to be talking to you about the oh-so-magical class known as the wizard. Uh, But first, let's go over to David. And uh, can you give us a little breakdown of your past gaming RPG experience, however you want? Uh, I mean... I've been gaming for most of my life. Uh, I only ever got into tabletop role-playing within the last year and a half. I mean, Chad, when you and I started playing our game, that was the only time I'd ever played. Yeah. Um, I'd listened to a few podcasts, which had sort of given me at, le- at least some familiarity with it, but that was the first time I'd ever played. I- I'm not giving it up anytime soon, that's for sure. Nice. <laughs> Had you played any like video games before that, or? Oh, just... totally. Um, I mean, <laughs> I'm I'm way into like the Elder Scrolls series, so RPG oh, side. Yes. I've done a ton of that, and and then as far as like just you know sword and board fighting, I play all the Dark Souls, that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. So this wasn't really that much of a stretch for you. No, no, I yeah, <laughs> it's not. That's awesome. <laughs> no, my my first. My first character was basically the character I'd try to make in every RPG I'd ever played anyway, so. <laughs> what, Jim? Oh, yeah. Nice. Your, your, your basic martial arts quarterstaff guy. It's interesting. I, I think most people usually go for the sword and board for their first character. Yeah, I think uh, that's probably accurate for me, too. <laughs> like The character that I tend to gravitate towards is something that will allow me to wield a two-handed weapon and just beat things with my beat stick. <laughs> um, now, and... I'm an, an adult now, so I do that less. Like, <laughs> I, I have embraced the other classes, such as uh, Bard, but uh, hoping to get into uh, hitting things with a two-handed weapon with my new goblin. That's exciting. Bravo. Because playing Dark Souls, I was so afraid I was going to put my controller through the screen at any point. So, holy crap. <laughs> oh, I, I have these, like, the, the little tabs on the back of my keyboard. I've probably popped them off a dozen times and had to glue them <laughs> back on. Oh, no. <laughs> yep. That's uh, actually but, hilarious. Yeah. If I'm being real honest about my inspiration, at least for, you know, Jim... Basically, it's Donatello from the Ninja Turtles. <laughs> oh, yeah, that tracks. Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. Oh, wait. No, that doesn't track. He doesn't wear a shirt. Uh, no, she didn't. Rude. So rude. I guess Jim doesn't need it, does he? Well, I mean, he wears a shell. That's like a turtle shirt, right? (laughs) Nice one, David. Yeah, Yeah. you know what? I will give you that. That is a turtle shirt. Uh, oh jeez! Well, before we wow, get into that. this discussion, <laughs> well, we we got our tangent out of the way early. Yeah, that's, that is true. We'll be going you know back. I'm sure. Did. No, not this week. We don't actually have a tangent of the week this week. Oh no! I know. What don't are we worry. Gonna do? it, we're going to talk about wizards a lot, oh, yeah. which brings me to it. Before we actually get into the wizard itself. I want to talk ancestry. Uh, I kind of just want to get to the magic stuff, man. That sounds really awesome. Well, then let me tell you, there's an ancestry I looked into today that, in my opinion, is better than the human. What? That's impossible. No, no, no. no. We already have a human wizard. It's already the best. So... (laughs) I knew you guys might feel that way. Um, So let's kind of break down the uh, human ancestry real quick, because when it comes to sort of the stereotype of wizards, you always hear about it being two things, right? An elf or a human. Mm -hmm. And elves are, you know, typically very magical and humans, well, they get an extra feat. They're always good. So what, uh, what brought you David, to pick the human as your heritage. Uh, that extra first level feat, that, that's it. That's why. That sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, I'm not. Uh, so that comes with the versatile heritage for human. Um, there is the skilled heritage, which allows you an extra skill um, that becomes expert at fifth level. That is, it's not bad. Um, but yeah, versatile heritage is one of the best heritages for most classes. Like, a general feat that I can just use for whatever I want? Mm. Yes, please. But let me tell you about the one I found today. Because it makes me very happy. So, I was creating a wizard today, and my concept for this wizard was the most wizardy wizard of all time. I don't know why I decided that was my concept, but it was. And I start, to me, when I think of wizard, I tend to think of World of Warcraft. Which is kind of funny, uh, because I've been playing role-playing games for a very long time. But for some odd reason, when I think of the wizard, I always think of World of Warcraft. And my husband plays a gnome wizard, and has for many, many, many years. So I was like, you know what, I, I... when I think of the most wizardy wizard that has ever wizard, I think mm-hmm. of a gnome. And so that's where I started. And that's when I ran into the wizard, or the wizard, blow, uh, the gnome heritage wellspring. And this is really cool. So I'm going to go ahead and read this. This is on page 44 of the um, core rulebook. Some other source of magic has a greater hold on you than primal magic. You get to choose arcane, divine, or occult. Obviously, I took uh, arcane. You get one cantrip from the magical tradition spell list. So this uh, essentially 
you cast this as an innate spell at will. Um, and it is automatically heightened with half your level rounded up, which is how your cantrips normally are. So you get an extra cantrip. And then you can also take the gnome feat of first world magic, because gnomes are um, from the first world. They're, they're uh, from the fey realm, uh, hmm. which allows you uh, to get a cantrip from the primal spell list. Well, because you're a uh, wellspring gnome, that doesn't come from the primal list. It comes from the arcane list. So now, instead of the wizard that gets five cantrips at level one, you're a wizard who gets seven cantrips at level one. So, so yeah, are you going to go back and recreate your wizard now? Oh, no. Uh, N- <laughs> Nigel's set in place, but Good. yeah, that's, that is, I mean, we'll discuss it later on, but that's a feat at level two, is to get those two cantrips. So, wait, to get two cantrips from what? What feat it, is that? It just, it just says you get two more, so heck, you could have nine. As, yeah. a, as a known wizard? Wow. Oh, that's actually kind of awesome. So, one of the strengths, when I think of the wizard, is that they have access to so many spells, right? And they have sort of a spell for everything. Right? Mm-hmm. Except healing, but yeah. <laughs> well, that's true. Um, they're very, I don't know, uh, handy to have, have around. We'll say that. Very uh, much. How many cantrips are actually in the arcane list? Uh, I'll count here. Give me some You guys go ahead and go on. I'll count. All right. It's, I mean, it's pretty cool. Because my guess is there's probably not too many more than nine. So you could have all of your cantrips available to you at all times. I, I don't think it's more than 20. Uh, but I mean, if you look at 17, it, 17, 17, not bad. Th- now, there, there can't be more than a dozen that are worth anything. Yeah. <laughs> you're not wrong. But having nine of those that you're able to cast every round if you wanted to like that's pretty cool so uh human getting an extra general feat pretty good but i'm telling you guys gnome is the next ancestry that i would pick before elf actually well and then human in addition to the general feat if you take the there's a there's a background that gives you an extra first level class feat too so you just get do you get all all the feats so we haven't talked about backgrounds yet. That's next. Uh, because I was looking at the hermit background, but I think what you're talking about is the scholar, isn't it? Oh, you know, I'm not, no, I'm, I'm not even talking about a background. I got my terms mixed up. Oh. Um, what's, what's you're the talking about an ancestry feat for human? Yeah. yeah. I'm using a tool we're going to be talking about a little bit later. I'm actually not using my book. I'm using Archives of Nethys to look some of this stuff up. And you said uh, it gives you an extra skill feat? Yes, I'm pulling it up. Oh, yeah, it's an an ancestry feat, and it's natural ambition. Natural ambition. Yeah, that's not bad. So, yeah, you you could pick versatile heritage, 
and get a general feat, and then natural ambition for your ancestry feat, and have a first level general and first level class feat right off the bat extra. Woof. Why be anything other than human? I mean, <laughs> I'm pretty sure I just told you. Yeah, I know. So, uh, the last heritage that I did kind of want to briefly mention is uh, gnome. Why did I just say gnome? Goblin. <laughs> I was also thinking you wanted ancestry, but. What did I say? Not heritage. heritage? Yeah, yeah, I do mean ancestry. Wow, guys, I apologize. Sorry. My terms are just <laughs> all over the place. No, I wanted to mention the goblin because a lot of us, when we think about goblins, we don't think of casters. And I would also think that if you're going to pick a goblin, you might also go with sorcerer just because they get an automatic boost to charisma. Um, but their ability flaw is in wisdom. It's not in intelligence. Um, I think that the goblin um, is a is a decent choice. Hmm. So, um, plus I like the idea of a um, what is it conjuration that allows you access to all the fire spells. <laughs> just, a, just a little goblin like setting everything on fire, like cackling madly, uh, it, is a concept that I think is really cool. So. Um, and just role play wise, um, I don't know how well this other ancestry would work. And I guess it might actually be a heritage, but uh, I would like to see a, a half orc uh, mm-hmm. wizard, honestly. That Absolutely. sounds a lot of fun. But I feel like that one would probably multi class more into like a fighter. Maybe. But I don't know. Or maybe the orc. Uh, or the half work is like, no. F your uh, preconceived notions. I'm a caster. Mm-hmm. Your stereotypes. I want to keep on going. Exactly. Yeah. I like that. Idea. I want to see that. So moving right along, um, let's talk about standout backgrounds. So I know, or I don't know, I think that um, Nigel has scholar. Is that correct? Uh, well, I did before we picked him out for the adventure path, uh, but I went with something real similar from the adventure path. But yeah, oh. scholars, scholars, a great one uh, because it gives you that assurance in some skill right off the bat, and you just put that right in your arcane, and you're good for quite a while. Hmm. Yeah. So essentially, um, it allows you to take ten. Um for free, right? Oh, Choose it's... a skill that you're trained in, you can forego rolling a skill check, and instead receive a result of 10 plus your proficiency. That's pretty good. That's uh, that's the assurance feat. Yeah, which is good for your, you know, your skill checks for that. Definitely. Yeah. Absolutely. That is super cool. So what is the... Um, background that you picked for the adventure path? Well, I, <clears throat> I picked Hell Knight Historian. Um, mm. and, and what did it give me? It gave me, I think, like a society, a society bonus, which I was Correct. taking anyway. Uh, yep. Architecture lore. <laughs> yeah, that, that was an interesting one, but I'll, 
I've got a I've got a way to role play that. Nerd. And then courtly graces is the feat that you get. Yeah, um it allows you it gives you a couple um other options when you're trying to essentially lie or impersonate a noble nobleman. Yeah, Which, you get to use society. Yeah. Instead. That's yeah. kind of cool. You can use society to make an impression as a noble, as well impersonate to pretend to be a noble if you aren't one. If you want to impersonate a specific noble, you still have to use deception. So if you're trying to be uh, the Duke of Dukington... (laughs) Nice, Beth. You have to uh, use deception. But if you're just trying to be generic Duke A, you get... That's kind of cool. Were there any other interesting backgrounds you guys thought? So, I wanted to bring up Hermit. Okay. Because Hermit was, um, in my opinion, pretty cool. Um, let me bring it up. Obviously, when it comes to the backgrounds, you get to pick whatever you want. Like, none of these are going to give you a crazy good advantage. Um, But I took Hermit, which allowed me to get the occultism skill so that I'm not just arcane. Um, And then with Hermit, you get to pick your lore. It says, as well as a lore skill related to the terrain you lived in. So this is where you can say, you know, I want urban lore, you know, or city, not a specific city per se, but... Um, or I want, well, I guess city as a hermit wouldn't make much sense, but I picked forest. So I was a hermit that lived out in the forest. That's the lore that I picked. Uh, or you could do cave or desert. Or those are the two books in the example, which I thought that was kind of cool. And then you got the dubious knowledge feat, which is the coolest oh, feat man. ever. When you fail a recall knowledge check using any skill, So it's not just the skills that I got from the feet. You learn a bit of true knowledge and a bit of erroneous knowledge, but you have no way to differentiate which is which. (laughs) How great is that? Especially for a character like me who um, I am not an expert. Let's just put that out there right now. But I do have a tendency to have a lot of metagame knowledge on like mm-hmm. animals, creatures, things that I've fought in the past, just because I've played for a very long time. So when the GM tells me a truthful and a non-truthful fact, I, the person, may know. Not for sure, but may. But man, my character doesn't. And I gotta role play that out. I, I wanna take that feat just to have to put the GM through coming up with something <laughs> false. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. I mean, that sounds like fun to mess with. Redacted. Feel like maybe we shouldn't push him. <laughs> no, maybe no, 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 no. We're gonna push it. He ain't even on this episode today. But we definitely <laughs> go push it. <clears throat> Yikes! <laughs> I love it. So anyway, guys, uh, Hermit is on page uh, sixty-two, as most of the um, ancestries are sixty-two and sixty-three. Um, but still, that that's definitely a, a cool one. So let's get down into the wizard itself 
and this is where I'm going to definitely uh, give the floor over to David because he's actually played a wizard uh, for mm-hmm. one session, <laughs> but also created, a, a, seen a lot of the options, all that kind of stuff. So, David, how does it feel to play a wizard? Well, I mean, making the wizard in the first place, is it, it's a lot more work than your basic uh, fighter, monk, whatever, um, because you're also picking all of your spells. And then after you pick your spells, you pick what spells you have for the day. And there's, there's a lot of choices there. And sometimes you make the wrong choice, like I did. Yeah, I was about to say, I think you know a little bit about that. Yeah, so um, are, we, are we not doing spoilers, or what are we doing here as far as the first playthrough goes? So this episode should release after the first. So yeah. you are so you you're more involved. than welcome to to share your experiences. That's what we we do that a lot of times. So. Okay. Well, I guess this is your spoiler alert. Okay. Uh, so I felt during the fight with the fire elementals that I I didn't have a lot to do. Um. You know, it's like I can cast one two-action spell, and if I miss it, I'm done. I can move. That's it. I probably already moved to get in position. Whereas, you know, a fighter has, you know, move, move once, hit twice. You get two opportunities. Uh, and then even with that, you know, I'm, I'm only doing 1d4 plus my modifier if my cantrip hits. Uh, I, I, I could use a little more firepower from level one. Mm-hmm. This is what I'm going out there. So well, I know a lot of you are going to hear me say this quite often in this episode, uh, but I do feel like they may have overtuned the wizard just a little bit, especially at those early levels. So um, wizards have always kind of been real squishy, but still pretty powerful. At level one. Um, And now I think you're maybe a little less squishy, but definitely less powerful than their uh, addition one counterpart. Right. Especially when we're talking cantrips. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, you know, I I, I think I had one um, level one spell that I could actually do 2d12 damage if I had hit with it which is like the first time I'd ever be able to use a D12 in my life. <laughs> um, but, hey, I didn't prepare it for the day. No. I didn't know. In fact, I had a spell that basically would have blown all those flames out in one go. Mm-hmm. But again, I didn't prepare it for the day. Yeah, well, in all fairness, that really is kind of the wizard in a nutshell, right? You prepare the spells that you needed yesterday today. Yeah. It, 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 it certainly makes me want to read forward and spoil the story for me, but just so I oh, know what to prepare. But That's I'm not cheating. We will never cheat. Definitely something Beth has never done. I would love to say that I've never done that, <laughs> but I can't. <laughs> I just, I just, I know at this point, any time that we look like we're going into a battle, it's just going to be like, okay, guys, give me ten minutes to swap out some stuff here, 
you guys go scout the perimeter. Let me know. Anybody weak to fire? <laughs> what are we doing here? You know what, though? I mean, that feels good. right, though. That feels very wizardy. Yeah. Like and the I guy mean, with I the can... backpack, um, you know, with a hundred books in it. Nerd. Oh, well, I mean, that's totally what I was going for with my character anyway. Mm-hmm. That totally works out for us because as a rogue, I can sneak around and, you know, get an eye out for like what's going on with the encounter we might be about to come up on and message you back like, hey, you got anything for this, this, this? Yeah, that would, be a, that would be a use for message, that's for sure. All right, well, let's get down into the nitty-gritty. We've talked a little about, about heritage options, uh, ancestry options. We've talked a little bit about what it feels like to play a wizard. Let's get into the actual class options. Oh, no. So the first thing that I did want to mention is the saves. So you're trained automatically. I mean, everybody is. And perception, fortitude, reflex, and unarmed attacks. And you're an expert in will. This really isn't a surprise, only because when we're talking about Pathfinder 1, this is the exact same thing that they had. Right. Um, now we didn't automatically have perception because in Pathfinder One you had skills, but will save was their highest save, um, and then they had base saves for for Fort and Reef. So that's pretty standard. What are some of the other options that um, that you get as a wizard? Well. One thing that's interesting is, you know, usually you're trained in simple weapons. As a wizard, you're only trained in some simple weapons. The, oh, right. It's like um, club, crossbow, dagger. Heavy, heavy crossbow, crossbow and staff. Oh, oh, right. Of course you get staff. Yeah, gotcha. I mean, you have to have a staff, but... Eh, the whole one-handed, two-handed thing. <laughs> I, just, I, I really want to hit for D8. I know you do. Um, one thing that, you know, it is interesting, to, and it's specific to Wizards somewhat, is, you know, since it's uh, so, something about school and you're learning it, um, there's the there's the different traditions that you can go through. Mm-hmm. And you can, uh, uh, for each of the magical schools, you get what an extra, an extra spell, but then an also, also an extra, uh, like, what are the power, power spell, whatever those are called this Correct. time around. You get an extra one of those. That's, I think it's specific. I'm not sure there's any other way that you can get those. I don't think so either. I think those are specific because one of the tags. So like if we look at conjuration, um, you learn the augment summoning school spell is what it's called. And one of the tags is conjuration wizard. Now, mind you, that's kind of the, just the type of spell it is, but still the fact that you get those for free is, is neat. Yeah. And, and then, in addition to you know specific schools, you've got the universalist, which is what I took. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and it, you know it it doesn't limit that one extra first level spell you can pick it from whatever you want um now you don't get the spell power but you get an extra feat mm-hmm. which kind of helps balance it out well and that does lead us to one of the bad things that i wanted to mention and that is that wizards do not get a first level now, I know some of our listeners might be saying, well, no, yes, you do. It's right here in the books. But unfortunately, that is not true. Uh, it has come out and is going to be a part of the f- official errata. The wizards do not get a first level class feat, not by default. Um, no spellcasters get first level. Now, the Universalist is special since they don't get a focus. Now, is that a change that you're going to have to make? Did you actually take a first level feat? Oh, totally. What did you take? What are you going to have to get rid of? Well, I mean, I've got to choose between um, Reach Spell, Hand of the Apprentice, and then my Familiar. And I'm not giving up my Familiar, so it's between Reach and Hand of the Apprentice. So, Yeah. Hmm. I'm, I'm still back and forth. We'll see. Yeah. Now, it is um, it is important to say that this is not like super official yet. They haven't published a um, errata yet, but they did talk about it. I think at Gen Con um, that it was a misprint that it w- it was meant to be a uh, that they did not get a feat. So uh, that'll be coming around the. But you did mention schools, so we talked about that. Um, tell me about this thesis that you have to write. This might be one of my uh, favorite little bits they threw in here. It's, it seemed like some of these things were feats in the playtest. Mm-hmm. But essentially what your thesis is, is that you, you picked one of these four items to sort of specialize in in your wizard school or go full Harry Potter here. (laughs) Um, You can, you know, have some additional uh, power to your familiar is one of them. And then also as a bonus, it just gives you the familiar feat. If you take that one, Uh, there's one that allows you to do some additional uh, metamagical feats which are like the reach spell I had mentioned, or some things can augment damage or bypass resistances. Uh, There's spell spell blending, which is an interesting one, but I think it might not be a whole lot use until you get to level five or more, because it allows you to uh, combine two lower spell slots in exchange for a higher spell slot. Mm. So you know you you might hit fifth level and just be well I don't I don't need all these first level spell slots anymore we'll get some more third and fifth level spells whatever we're doing here. So we were talking about the cantrips, right? Yeah. With the spell blending, you can actually trade any spell slot for two additional cantrips. So now, if we're building the oh, can- nice. most cantrip wizard ever, we're now up to twelve. 
cantrips. Because you cannot trade more than one for for the spell blending. So we're now up to 12 cantrips. You just then, really want to play a gnome wizard, don't you? <laughs> <laughs> you know, I wasn't thinking of making a cantrip-focused gnome. That seemed kind of weird, but I am now. Uh, I mean, so, right now that makes it so there's only five cantrips from the arcane list that that gnome does not know. It's true. Now, I will say once more books come out, that list will expand. But, yeah, uh, yeah that, that's, that's going to be pretty awesome. Uh, effective or um, optimal? Maybe not, but uh, fun, <laughs> yes. Uh, the last one that we haven't mentioned yet is spell substitution. So that that's where we talk about the rogue going around while the wizard takes 10 minutes to um, prepare different spells. So that's cool. I will say it also says, like, if you're interrupted during such a swap, the original spell remains prepared and can still be kept. So if you get caught in a combat in the middle of this, you're not completely um, screwed. That's not bad. No, so th- those are the arcane theses um, that you have excuse me, that you have to write which is pretty great. <laughs> I love that whole concept. Uh, and then on the intro to that part it even tells you, you know, you can give it a little bit more flavor and make like a title for your thesis. Which it, it's just anytime they give you opportunity to do things like that, it's just wonderful. Agreed. Yeah, I, I do love stuff like that. Uh, so we've mentioned a little bit of bonded item, or excuse me, familiars. Um, but let's talk a little bit about, about bonded items. Um, what is your bonded item, by the way, as Nigel? Oh, it's my staff. It is your staff. Okay. I wasn't quite sure because there's really been a focus mostly on Sebastian. Because he's cooler than Nigel is. Oh. I think Nigel would agree with me. I'm not going to argue, but you know what? Nigel made Sebastian, so that just makes Nigel more awesome. Oh, that's how that works? That's Yeah. Hmm. He did make an awesome owlbear named Sebastian, so... He's not an owlbear. I mean, look at his Lego figure. That is true. At at our gaming table, he is the size of an owl bear. So that's I'll give you that. Of an actual owl. Mm, yeah. For, for a little bit of background, uh, before I had my own mini made, I basically made my characters out of Legos and just brought them in. And now that's just been a running joke of walls. Anytime I need to make something new, let's make some Lego. I mean, and I that was pretty great. <laughs> All right, so what are some of the features of a bonded item? What what makes that unique? Well, it, it essentially just allows you to get an extra spell slot throughout the day of your, I think it's your highest level. Oh. Mm, yes. Yeah. Um... But but then there's some restrictions on that, too. It it has to be a spell that you've already cast that day. So it doesn't just give you an extra slot, but it allows you to reuse one that you already have used. 
And I believe that's as a free action, so it, it won't take any time, any actions out of your your combat if you have to do it. And that is the drain bonded item action. And it's a single action. It is not like two actions. And then uh, one other interesting thing about the uh, Universalist is that they aren't, they aren't limited to only having one of your highest spell slot. They get they can use that once per like level of spell slot they can cast per day. Oh, that's cool. So you you know once you get into the higher levels, you can recall one spell, a level two spell, and a level three spell. Oh yeah, yeah. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that actually. That is super awesome. And then let's see what else here. I think that's it, finally. You get your proficiencies. You get um, your uh, boosts to your ability scores, which, as most of you guys know, you're going to get put all of that in intelligence that you can. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, you are untrained in all armor. So, and we'll get back to that here in a second. Uh, but you are trained in unarmored defense. So I thought this was really interesting because playing a wizard in Pathfinder First Edition, you were very squishy until you know you were able to get bracers of armor or cast um, shield on yourself pretty regularly. Like there were definitely ways to get your AC up there. But out of the box, there wasn't a lot. Like, you had to put points in decks or you were going to be in trouble. Um, So the fact now, you're trained in unarmored defense, which means you automatically are going to get your level uh, plus, what is it, three? Plus two. Plus two. So that's pretty, that's much better than how it used to be. Yeah, that, that's for sure. I, I also know that I ended up putting several points into decks just just because I know how squishy wizards can be. Mm-hmm. Well, and how close were you di- to, to dying in that first combat? Actually, I wasn't because I ended up staying behind Out of the everything. Fire. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's a very wizard thing to do, though. Yeah. It's very I, I was I was using my reach spell just so I could not have to move anywhere, but then again, I only had one shot during my turn, so didn't mm-hmm. just missed. Yeah. yeah, that's true. Maybe we could get you like a crossbow or something. Well, actually, I guess reloading and all that would still end up about the same. Mm-hmm. I feel like a crossbow just feels like cheating to me. Yeah, really? but wizards are proficient in that, aren't they? Yes. Both crossbows I, uh, and heavy crossbows. Right. Seems but like your intent beauty is that. But you're a wizard. Use your magic. <laughs> you're a wizard, Harry. I'm a what? Anyway. Sorry. Well, she did it. <laughs> I'm trying to do it all night. Really? <laughs> I'm sorry yes. I ruined it. <laughs> and also going with the meme I saw of, you're a lizard, Harry. But, you know, but meh. Oh, now I want to make a lizard wizard. 
Uh, I want Ooh, dragon. Gotta wait dragon. for the lizard folk to be a, a playable ancestry. Okay, so hear me out. A lizard wizard in a blizzard. I anyway. want <laughs> so let's talk about feats. Uh, specifically, of course, wizard feats. And I want to go back to. They're smelly. You, 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 you just, sorry, feet joke. Well, okay, and so now that we've kicked Chad out of the chat. <laughs> no. You can't kick me out. It's true, unfortunately. Uh, uh, did I say that? <laughs> I wanted yes. to talk about armor. Because there's actually a couple of different ways, and I'm not necessarily talking about optimal ways, but there are ways for wizards to become trained in arm. Now, for people like me, who are used to Pathfinder 1, you're going to be saying, oh, wait, Beth, what about arcane spell failure? And I'm going to tell you, uh, that's not a thing anymore. There is no such thing as arcane spell. So, what that means is, you can now have a wizard in full play. That's sink in. It's beautiful. Admit it. I accept. <laughs> the problem is that it's kind of hard to get to. So there's no real easy way for you to get those feats. There's not just a feat that you can take of who have heavy armor proficiency. So um, the way that you would do it is you would actually take a devotion. Um, yeah, into either champion or fighter or something to get those proficiencies, um, and still might will take you some some time to get. Um, another option would be to get rogue and get um light armor proficiency, um, and then you wouldn't necessarily have to put so many uh points into decks. So. With this, it, it's going to take a feat sink. It's going to take quite a bit of feats to do. But you would be able to build a low-dex heavy armor wizard. That's kind of cool. Yeah, you've mm-hmm. got the general feat for armor proficiency in there, too. Which I believe you can take multiple times. So, you know, given the human... Um, versatile heritage, I believe you can take that later on to get other general feats, so you can just keep stacking those. Nice. So, for all of you guys, uh, theory crafters out there, build me some uh, heavy armor wizards. Tell me what what is the best way to do that. What do you think, David? Are you going to go heavy armor wizard? I'm definitely not going heavy, but I'm not (laughs) against throwing on some light armor. Okay. I think it's kind of cool that they've really made wizards uh, not so squishy. You are no longer bug meets windshield, which is good. <laughs> uh, the next thing I wanted to talk to is actually going back again to familiars. Because there are two ways to get familiars. We already talked about one, which is to write a thesis. And that's going to be probably the if you want the best familiar that's going to give you the most stuff that's going to be the way to do it. 
is um, improved familiar attunement. Because it gives you the familiar wizard feat as a bonus feat. Um, you gain your familiar gains an extra ability uh, at first level and then again at 6th, 12th, and 18th. Um, but you do lose your arcane bond. So instead of attuning to your staff, you're attuning to your familiar. So you get drain familiar instead of drain bonded item. Now, that being said, you it, it's exactly the same. It functions the same. So, you know, there's no real difference there. Except that it's coming from your familiar, so if your familiar dies, there's that. Um, so anyway, that that is the thesis. Well, what I actually want to talk about are the two feats that deal with familiars. So that would be um, the level one feat of familiar, which can be taken by wizards and sorcerers. And this just gives you a familiar. That's, that's it. And then you, at level two, can take enhanced familiar, which... Um, allows you to select four uh, abilities each day instead of two. Now, one of the things that I wanted to mention for the enhanced familiar is if you have the familiar attunement um, as, as a wizard, um, your familiar's base um, still counts. So before adding your extra abilities from Arcane Thesis, you still have four. So essentially, you're still improving your... Does that make sense? Yeah, you go from two if you don't have... If you take the uh, any thesis other than familiar, you go to four with your familiar thesis, and another six, you go to six with your feet. Correct. Yeah. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, super cool. Uh, the fact that they've given you essentially two ways of getting a familiar um, is pretty nice. The feet may be a little less powerful than the um, attunement, um, but you still get your bonded item. So there's that too. Plus, you get to pick a different thesis, right? So you could have like spell substitution, which is what I think Nigel has. Right. If I remember correctly um and also have a familiar so that's um just more customization that you're able to and 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 then if you have uh you know extra abilities for a familiar there's one called cantrip connection where you can prepare an additional cantrip so just just more cantrips for you okay so now we're up to 13 I've got to keep track because, like, this is this is a concept. I'm not saying it's a good concept, but it's a concept. No, I'd, have to, <laughs> I'd have to read through it, but I wonder if you can just take all of your uh, familiar ability slots in Cantrip Connection. Oh, is it one of those things that uh, has to be? I do uh, not see anything that says you can't. Hmm. 
So now, what would that put us at? Well, add six to whatever you had before. So that'd be 18. 19? I thought you said 13, so... Yeah, that was counting one of the cantrips. Well, heck, you get... I think if you use all of them and use your thesis to be the familiar, you can get access to all of the cantrips. Yep, because you get those extra boosts at later levels for your food. <laughs> That's fantastic. I love it. Now, again, I don't know why you would need dancing lights and light both active at the same time, but hey, you never know. Don't- Sometimes you gotta get it lit. <laughs> nice one, David. Gosh, I love it. Alright, cool. Well, that's just fantastic. Um... Let's talk about a few other wizard feats. So, for those of you guys who are lovers of Pathfinder 1, you'll notice that metamagic has uh, definitely um, come back. So we have classics such as Conceal Spell, or excuse me, Silent Spell. Um, let's see here. It's Conceal Spell in this one. Well, there's Conceal Spell and then Silent Spell. So, Conceal Spell is a level one, um, which I don't think was in Pathfinder 1, but I don't know for sure. But Silent Spell was for sure in Pathfinder 1. Um, then there's also Reach, um, Widen, uh, Quickened. Um, Quickened was always one of my favorites when I played a caster. Now, I've never played a wizard, uh, or haven't in a very long time, um, but I did play a witch, and I had uh, Quickened. Now, I don't know, was there the limitation on quickened casting to once per day? No. See, that they've got that, which really brings the power of that one down. Really? Yeah. If your next action... Oh, frequency, once per day. Oof. No, that definitely was not the case. Uh, the last feat that I really wanted to bring attention to is Hand of the Apprentice. Because Hand of the Apprentice is one of the best spells. It's one of the dumbest slash the best spells ever. Let me read you this description. It's on page 209. You have to be a universalist wizard, by the way. You can magically hurl your weapon at your foe. It costs a focus point. But David, would you mind telling everyone how you described this spell? Uh, so I, I essentially described it as, since he's a wizard, he's, he's not strong. So he just gives it the weakest throw you'd ever seen, and you expect it to just drop on the floor in front of him. But then the <laughs> magic takes hold of it, and it just goes. I love it. Yeah. I- I love uh, how, uh, what you said about it where you were like, yeah, I'm just going to yeet my staff at somebody. It's the magical yeet. Yeet! It's pretty great. <laughs> and you- <laughs> It's just so great. It's like, eh. And you throw your staff and it actually like smacks them upside the head. And then I do believe that there is um, 
something you can do later or requires you to have magical yeet in order for it to work. Universal uh, versatility. Right. You have to have Hand of the Apprentice to have that. Right. What that basically gives you is that you can take one of those um, magic school powers and uh, whenever you... It's either prepare for the day or refocus your uh, your focus points. You can swap out what that power is. Yeah, you can use that school spell until your next daily preparations. And then it says when you refocus, you can choose a different school. Right. And then it also gives you another focus point, which is, I mean, that alone's nice. worth it. Yeah, actually. You get two years out of it. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, that is a level eight spell, by the way. Uh, you mean feet? So that's pretty cool. Um, there's some pretty neat options. I will say, um, not a ton of options. Um, you know, when it comes down to it, you only have two level six spells. Beth, feet, come on, you can do this. Which stinks. Uh, to level 12. But um, I think when we get more books, we'll get more options. That's just how it works. Right. But a lot of the a lot of the options, especially for casters, is your spells, not so much your feats you're taking. True. Which brings us to spells. So we've talked a lot about cantrips. Mm-hmm. And I want to talk about them a little bit more. I'm starting to think that I'm cantrip obsessed. What? Yeah, I'm starting to think so. And one of the the thing that I wanted to talk about when it comes to cantrips is that they auto heighten. Now, this is the same as the um, play test, but I did want to bring up that when you auto heighten a cantrip, um, you auto-heighten it to be half of your wizard level rounded up. Now, there's a lot of things that round in PF1 and PF2. Mostly, I am used to it rounding down. So this is going to be a change for me. Well, uh, an easy way to remember it is that it's just, you just level it to the highest level spell slot you can cast. Oh, wow. That actually is super easy. I didn't even think about that. <laughs> All right. Well, now I'm mad. <laughs> <laughs> well, of course, the wizard would think of it the high intelligence. It's true. It's true. That's, well, I, that's pretty awesome. Then again, every. Every level, especially for your damage cantrips, it's just another one d four, which it's it seems underpowered to me, but that's me. You know, it adds up. It's not like um, magic missile, though. Magic missile, you didn't even have to roll; it just auto hit. Do you get magic missile? I don't. I don't know if that's still a thing or not. 
Uh, it's a level one spell. It does it still auto hit? Oh yes. Awesome. One d four plus one. So it's actually better than your cantrip because it auto hits. Uh, sure. <laughs> I mean, you're you're guaranteed the damage. That's for sure. Okay, let's see here. Are there any other spells that we kind of wanted to really talk about? There's a lot of them. So we can't just sit here and talk about all of them. <laughs> I had one. If you just give me a minute, I'm going to pull it up here. Dancing lights. Now, we actually ended up play. using dancing lights in that combat. Right. Uh, so that was probably the most useful thing that Nigel did. Uh because for people who haven't played it, you at, at some point you're escorting a bunch of people out of a burning building. Mm-hmm. And the way, the way Nigel had done it was just to make a bunch of floating lights around his head. And then everyone gathered towards him. It was like a beacon. Exactly. Uh, it was to make like a line of lights to help like light the path to the exit. <laughs> Yeah. Well, that's what I wanted to do, but there's mm-hmm. uh, some wording in that one where none of the lights can be more than 10 feet apart. Yeah. So I could have lit up the exit, but that's about it. That's kind of infuriating. I mean, I, I could see that being real awesome, but it just makes it sound like you have to keep them in a, a, t- a two by two sort of thing. I I don't like that. <laughs> yeah. It, it's it's up for debate, that's for sure. Uh, I, I did find my spell that I wanted to highlight here. It's a level 2 spell. And I know I'm taking this one. It's called Flaming Sphere. You create a sphere of flame within in a square within range. The sphere deals 3d6 fire damage to each creature in the square when it first appears. And then on subsequent rounds, you can sustain the spell. And then you can move it to another square within range. Requiring another reflex save from the target. Right. That's awesome. And and so, you know, with one uh, second level spell slot, you can keep this going. There's a maximum sustain of one minute. You can keep bouncing this thing around for 10 rounds. Okay, that's pretty cool. Now, there's no telling if that would have done any good against those fire elementals, but against the majority of enemies, damn. Right, I'm, I'm pretty sure that would have not... That, that, that would have healed them, I think. <laughs> Shoot. I don't yeah, know if fighting true. fire with fire works for fire element. You know, that's know. how the saying goes, though. You fight fire with fire. Fireball. <laughs> fire, so, fireball is not always the answer. I mean... It is, in my opinion. It kind of is. So, one of my characters that I've played most recently, and absolutely adored, I played through the um, Rise of the Rune Lords campaign, and in mm-hmm. that, that was with Pathfinder 1, I had a rat folk witch that I played this with. Uh, her name was Jax, 
and she was kind of awful, and I loved her. She was a necromancer. And so I was really excited about how many enchantments uh, and necromancy spells there were. Uh, I say enchantments just because maybe she cast a lot of necromancy, but she also did a lot of like debuffing spells. So I'm really excited about Touch of Idiocy, which is great. <laughs> the only bad side is, of course, it is a touch spell. But the fact that I can make people dumb is great. <laughs> that it's might be what? one of my favorite things about the reach spell feat, is that you turn touch spells into a 30-foot range. Yeah, which is pretty powerful. Pretty powerful. There's a lot of strong um, touch spells. So, have you taken a look at any of the level eight spells? Oh no, I I can't even think that far ahead right now. So, I am really kind of in love with um, anti magic field. Uh, it's a ten foot area where you repel all magic. Wow. So their example is pretty great. A field uh, disrupts only magic. So a plus three longsword still functions as a longsword. But it is not a magic longsword anymore. Oh, that is amazing. Right? Well, I mean, it's a level eight spell. <laughs> so there's that. But uh, it does. And it also costs three uh, actions. Material, somatic, and verbal. But look, that's pretty I, cool. I look at that, and it's another one that you can sustain. Mm-hmm. And then sustain is only one action. Mm-hmm. So for your following turns, you could still use your actions to you know move around or, I think, do anything that wouldn't require concentration. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Uh, and well, then- so in this scenario, you would have to know that your enemy has a magical weapon, first of all. Well, yeah, but once you get to... You get to the time where you're casting level 8 spells, you're pretty sure they're going to have magical effects on them. Maybe. And then you also have to place your wizard just right to make sure that your allies also don't get the uh, magical weapon removed from their weapon status. I mean, I'm not saying it's not situational. You're absolutely right. Mm -hmm. But it is pretty cool. And then doesn't the wizard also... Wouldn't the wizard's spells also be canceled? Like, he wouldn't be able to cast anything while in that field. Correct. But you would get to place it wherever you wanted it. You wouldn't be able to cast anything once that's up because that would break your concentration. I'd I'd have to read through to see exactly how that works, but given what I've read so far, I think that's how it works. When you sustain any spell like that, you can't suddenly cast another one because you'd conflict in what needs your concentration. See, I'm wondering if that's the case or if it's that you just can't cast another concentration spell while you're concentrating on that spell. So I'm looking at the rules under sustaining spells. 
And it says, if a spell's duration is sustained, it lasts until the end of your next turn unless you use a sustain a spell action. It doesn't say anything about casting other spells. That's what I'm looking. I don't think so. I think you can sustain a spell and cast a spell. I don't see anything that's saying you can't. I'm wondering if sustain a spell is like a full turn action sort of thing. It should only be one action. Yeah, it's only one. I, I... Now, you can only do that for... A hundred rounds. Well, that and uh, <laughs> a lot of spells have limitations on how long they can be. Uh, Correct. It's sustaining a spell for more than ten minutes ends the spell and makes you fatigued unless the spell lists a different maximum. If your sustain a spell action is disrupted, the spell ends immediately. But I think you can still have it up. Hmm. Oh, that sounds good. All right. So the last spell. So I do want to talk about one more. I know I think I said that about the last one too. (laughs) Uh, But I came across a spell that's really great. It's great to me. Uh, I don't know if it's great to all you all, but summon dragon is pretty great. You get to conjure a dragon, guys. Okay. Wizards OP. I'd have to read the rules on that, whether there's limitations on how many familiars or other summoned creatures you can have. I don't know. At that point, get rid of your familiar. Just summon a dragon. Uh, Sorry, Sebastian. Gotta summon a dragon now. Peace. (laughs) Oh, that's great. Alright, any other spells? Yeah, I think I may have found a healing spell. Really? Yeah. Uh, it kind of requires you to be a vampire, though. Because you just suck the life out of your enemies. <laughs> oh. oh, that's fantastic. I love but, it. What's it called? You, uh, vampiric Exsanguination. Uh, you, you deal 12d6 damage. And then... What level is this? Oh, this is a level six spell. Twelve d six damage. That's yeah, nothing you, you deal twelve d six damage. You gain temporary hit points equal to half the damage that a single creature takes. Okay, that's not bad. So it's a self heal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it yeah, it's it, bad. It, it, it's still temporary, but it's not bad. Gotta love necromancy. I would also like to mention the spell Massacre. Instantly kill multiple creatures. Woo! Is that also necromancy? Yep. <laughs> necromancy. We're the cool ones. Cool. Oh, is that right? Yeah, that's how I used to feel about it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. So I think that wraps up our wizard talk. Anything else we want to add? Chad, I think I know what you want to say. Wizards are OP? Yep, you guessed it. All right. And we're all going to die. <laughs> no, I'm really excited. I think, David, you're pretty excited to play one. Yeah, I, I, I need to level up a bit, obviously. But, I, yeah, I am excited. I... I think part of that is we just came off of playing level, what, six characters? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then right before that, I was playing a level 16 character. 
17, I think she ended. And so, like, it's hard for me to be like, oh, we're level one again, guys. Great. (laughs) All right. Well, we've got a few more things to talk about before we we end this episode. Um, So I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that Archives of Nethys released. Um, This isn't going to be a surprise to a lot of you guys out there. Um, This released day one of release. Um, But we haven't released an episode since then (laughs) of the discussions. Anyway. So I wanted to kind of mention it. It's pretty great. Um, there was a Pathfinder 1 edition. There's a um, Starfinder edition. Um, Archives of Nethys has partnered with Paizo. So they have all of the rules. And that includes things that are considered proprietary to um, Paizo. So what that means is there are certain backgrounds that could not be published before in first edition so they had to be either omitted completely or renamed now those are as is so when you go to the background section you can actually see the backgrounds for age of ashes and for the fall stone so it's pretty cool um when it first released it didn't have a search function it does now um it it doesn't have uh, the search bar up in the corner. Um, you have to go on the sidebar underneath licenses and above sources. There is a search, but it allows you to check um, what you want to look for. So if you only want to look for backgrounds, you can just unselect everything and then select. So it's pretty cool. Um, dislikes. Have you guys used Archives of Nethys very much? No. Uh, I've got on a few times. So, um, I like it. I like it quite a bit. Um, I think that um, I put it in dark theme instead of light theme. I find it easier to read that way. And the everything's hyperlinked. So, I can click straight into the Barbarian and look at all everything for the Barbarian that I need to see. Which is very, very nice. Um, same with monsters. And I see monsters being one of the things that I use the most. Unfortunately, it's still under construction. So not all of the monsters are listed yet. So just be aware of that. Mm. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty great. Um, there's always going to be improvements that I want to make to it. But if you want to make improvements then you should go to the support the archives. So they do have a Patreon. They do have a PayPal. They actually accept Bitcoin. Uh, So if you want to make Archives of Nethys better, then you should participate. Um, Throw them a little bit of cash. Um, We are not sponsored by them, by the way. Uh, This is just, if you want to make the community better, you should participate in the community. And if you are able to, you should participate with your money. Uh, if you're not able to, I obviously understand, you should fill out bug reports. Uh, they have a contact us button. Um, so anything that you feel is incorrect, if you see a rule that's wrong, let them know. Uh, they're very open. They want to make this the best. Let's see here. Some other stuff I wanted to talk about. How many of you guys have pre-ordered Lost Omens? Uh, I actually did. So when I uh, pre-ordered my books uh, for 
all of the books that we did um, when we first did our episode about what we were going to buy and and what was being released. The Lost Omens World Guide was one of the books that was released. Now, it got delayed, so it is coming out at the end of this And I am super excited, guys. I cannot wait to get my hands on this book and <laughs> tell you all about it. It's going to be awesome. It's going to have so you're some... bring it to the session so I can grab a Sharpie out and make notes and all that. What? You're, you're going you're gonna to bring the book to our sessions so that I can grab a Sharpie and make notes through all the sections. You're, you're going to ruin my book? I mean, maybe. <laughs> oh, jeez. I don't mind people writing in their books, but you take a Sharpie to my book and I will cut you. <laughs> <laughs> I believe that. It's just truth, guys. Uh, finally, uh, next, I want to talk about Gen Con. So, obviously, Gen Con was... So, we kind of just jumped right into this episode. But release went so well. Um, I heard some people talking about how they were wondering how well it went because they didn't sell out. Um, it went fantastic. They didn't sell out because they printed so many books. So that just means that they wanted to make sure they would have a book for everybody who walked up if they wanted it. And I think that's some pretty dang good planning. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, it was a really, really good release. It was a really good Gen Con for them. Not only did they have Pathfinder 2 releasing, uh, they made some announcements. They had some really good panels. Uh, the next, uh, The next Adventure Path is going to take a uh, place in Absalom. So that's really cool. Uh, it's called the Extinction Curse? I think. Hmm. No, 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 I'm wrong. Uh, the Adventure Path is set on uh, Starstone Isle. And that's the Adventure Path. No, there's an adventure. A 128-page published adventure called the dead god's hand uh which is a lore reference it's going to be a super lore heavy um absolute adventure and then to go along with that they're releasing a lore book called absalom city of lost omen what sounds of this yeah super uh, so um, any anything thing, the that dead God's hand come on. <laughs> well, so that's reference to oh, a lot of our people are probably screaming his name at me right now. I I just I don't know if it was a dead god, but I, I saw something about a god that turned. No, in the Arodin. I had to Google it. I'm I'm sorry, guys. So Arodin is. Um, the god was the god of uh, prophecy, I do believe. He was to bring in an uh, like a golden age, and he had foreset like a, a time that he that like great things were going to happen. He was going to destroy evil, I do believe, something like that. This is all like off the top of my head. I don't remember everything, but on the day that he said. Instead of bringing about um, years of prosperity, he died. And that is why we are in the Age of Lost Omens. Because uh, 
prophecy no longer works the way that it used to after his death. Hmm. Now, I could be wrong on a couple of my details, so definitely reach out on our Facebook page, tell me everything that I messed up in that, <laughs> and I'll try to uh, reread uh, some of the Aroden stuff, and, and next week we'll have a little uh, discussion. Aroden's really cool. The The fact that he died, uh, all of his clerics could no longer get spells from him, like they couldn't shout to him, they can pray to him, like he dead, he gone. That's awful. Yeah, well in uh, Absalom it was his patron city. So if we're taking it as like a modern day allegory, it would be like their Jerusalem. It was Absalom. Yeah, if I remember the lore right, didn't he literally lift that out of the sea? I think so. Mm-hmm. And to this day, we don't know what happened either. We don't know what killed him. If any of the gods know, they, like, I don't think they do. I don't even think Phrasma knows what happened to him. Which she's the goddess of death. Ouch. Yeah, it's really cool. And the fact that there's going to be an entire, like, it, it's not a full like adventure path, but like it's a 128 page adventure. That's pretty long. Uh, like set there. That's pretty cool. It's going to be pretty cool. I'm excited. So anyway, in addition to all of the Pathfinder two stuff that they talked about and released, they also did some Starfinder stuff for those of you guys who are into Starfinder. I know I don't have a game going right now, but I love it. Um, it's going to be pretty great. Alien Archive comes out on August 28th, as does the Attack of the Swarm Adventure Path, which Ooh. a little bit of lore there, too. So that's going to be awesome. All right. So there was a blog post on uh, Paizo's website called Gen Con 2019 Highlights. Definitely check it out. Uh, there was uh, YouTube uh, video releases of all of their seminars which was awesome. I heard there was a really awesome seminar that was about um, gender equality and how they um, tried to make Pathfinder 2 um, very inclusive. And they had a lot of their writers who were um, part of the LGBTQ plus community. So that's really cool. I haven't watched it yet, uh, but I heard it was very, that's really it. That's great. Yeah, there's lots of stuff uh, in the character creation, but then also down in the sections about running a game and playing a game. That There's just a lot of stuff in there about being inclusive. Know, know your pronouns, know everyone's pronouns. Just be nice. Yeah, I was super excited about that. Really, really. It, it, it made me all feel warm inside. <laughs> so... This has gone on quite a long time. So I think we're going to go ahead and end it there. Unless you sure, guys had... nothing else to talk about? No I... more special magics from the wizard? No more no, OP? I don't think so. I, I think we've been going on quite a while <laughs> on this. So What you're saying is we need some sleep. Yeah, I definitely am saying that. So... Okay. 
for everybody out there who thinks that we missed something, if we missed your favorite feat, if we missed your favorite spell, let us know. Reach out to us. Uh, we want to hear all about it, actually. Uh, and then if we find that we missed uh, too many things, maybe we'll do a part two or we'll bring it up when we talk about the sorcerer. <laughs> I, I definitely think it would be worth coming back once I've hit a few levels in Wizard just to reevaluate how you feel about a class. Absolutely. Well, and it definitely matters. Each level is going to feel just a little bit different. It actually sounds kind of interesting. We could have an episode of just uh, gather everyone up after we've done all of these class reviews and maybe have a, a little get-together about how we feel now about our characters. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Well, but for tonight, I think we're good to go. <laughs> I think we're going to call it. Thanks for listening to Dice Don't Die. Hey, if you like what we do, please visit us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Dice Don't Die. Or email us at dicedontdiepod at gmail.com. The intro and outro song, Crunk Night, were created by Kevin McLeod. More of his work, and the work of many others, can be found royalty-free at filmmusic.io. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next adventure.